There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Oh, hey, Rochelle, are we rolling? Yeah, we're rolling. Okay, awesome. Uh, before we get started, I just have this little... Uh... Y'all don't know about this, but I have this little side project I've been working on, and I want everyone to be a part of it. Oh, wow. So I actually, I sent you all, if you check your email, I sent you all some VO uh, that I just want to record, and then I'll just edit this into, you know, this project. But um, yeah, we can just grab these lines right now while we're in studio. Okay, so uh, I'll go go first. Okay, Uh, awesome, great. Among podcasters, he's like Michael Jordan combined with Shakespeare multiplied by Einstein. Perfect. Great. Oh, you just okay. Just do it loose. Yeah, just do. It. Yeah, we we'll, we can just go one at one and one at a time. So Matt, that was great. Uh, okay. Heather, you you got a line right. too. <clears throat> Sorry. He's the funniest, smartest, coolest guy I've ever met, and he's ripped. I wish he was my dad. I love that one. And then uh, Rochelle, if you don't mind, that there's actually a line oh. for you here. Oh, oh, me too. Yeah. He's not just my boss. He's also my hero. Awesome. Those are great. We okay, got that this, one. Okay, moving what is, on. What is this? Uh, it's just a little thing I'm working on. You know, I'd Nick, love to share it with you when, when we're finished. Nick, are these lines about you? Is that what these are? I mean, yeah. I thought yeah, these they're... were just like loose lines or like ad reads or something. Are these supposed to be about you? Well, yeah, they're wild lines. You know, that, that's what the term would be for just a random line of VO you're grabbing. But yeah, they're about me. The subject is me. You wouldn't rather us like say how we actually... How we actually like feel about you? You had to like write down these like sort of. I figured it'd save things. everyone some time and some headache, and just sort of like write down what you would say, and then. I don't so... wish you were my dad. Yeah, I don't uh, want. I don't if so. Like Rochelle, if we don't, I could we just don't like need to roll on this. We don't need to record this. Part. One thing I just I mean like I don't know yeah. if you're ripped. I never want to know, but like I don't want to imply that I wish you were my dad. I don't no, want that. And you know I'll. I think it's you know I think you're a great podcaster, but. Michael Jordan, Shakespeare, Einstein. Are you making a documentary or is there one being made about you? It's what is being, the context for this? It's being made about me. Are you? Oh. By me. <laughs> You're making it. Yeah, oh, it's what the f- self-author. Okay. Was it against the law? What, do we live in China? No, 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 no. It's not against the law. Okay. And we know we live in the land of the free home of the brave, uh, the United States of America. You can do whatever you want, but. Sure can. Uh, I, I think, I just think it's a little, mm, What's the word? Crass? Gauche? Sus? Sus? It's certainly sus. Okay. To say the least. Okay. It's sus. It, it gives me the jeebies. Um, uh, I'm getting major ick from this. 
who is going to watch this, Nick? Who is who is the intended audience? Because I think that like as a friend and, uh-huh. you know, a light fan of yours, if I saw this, I'd be put off. I'd be upset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd want to take a shower and change my clothes if I if I saw this footage. I yeah, I know it feels it doesn't feel really good and you know, I know Rochelle is like sort of newer to the operation um and I don't want to speak for her but I don't think you're her hero. Yeah, sorry Nick. Okay, all right, fine. Fair enough. Hold on, I actually misread mine. Uh-huh. Can I just take it again? Yeah, please. It originally said Einstein. Is this what I said? Uh-huh. But I actually misread it. Among podcasters, he's like Michael Jordan combined with Shakespeare and multiplied by Epstein. I miss I misspoke. I misspoke. <laughs> no, you actually no, you misspoke the first time. No, this is that's that's, that's the line. The, yeah, that I is the, yeah, the first time yeah. I got it wrong. Yeah. This time was correct. Okay, I actually have no problem with mine now. I think that's okay. <laughs> what does it mean released directly to toilet? <laughs> <laughs> We animate our childhoods and hear extensively from Woodkid as we discuss Hulu documentary Hideo Kojima, Connecting Worlds, this week on Get Played. Welcome to Get Played, your one-stop show for good games, bad games, and every game in between. It's time to Get Played. I'm your host, Heather Ann Campbell, along with my fellow host, Nick Weiger. That's me, Nick Weiger, and I'm here with our third host, Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the premier video game podcast, where this week we are talking about a documentary available on Hulu about podcast favorite subject, Hideo Kojima in a in a documentary entitled Hideo Kojima Connecting Worlds. Normally we cover video games. Sometimes we cover video game adjacent stuff. I'd say this fits right in the middle because it is kind of a documentary about the making of Death Stranding, but yeah. also kind of a documentary about the man, the myth, the legend himself. We'll get into it. We've done two episodes to about Death Stranding specifically. We've done two theme months, Kojember. Uh, dedicated to the man. So we are certainly fans of this auteur game maker. Uh, but uh, yeah, this this doc, I have certainly my own thoughts on. Uh, and hey, if you want to check out some of those older episodes, all of those are available ad-free on our Get Played Patreon, patreon.com slash get played. Uh, also our, our entire back catalog, plus our mainline episodes, our new episodes are now available ad-free day of release. So you can hear this episode and all uh, subsequent episodes ad-free, uh, patreon.com slash get played. You can either get that bundled with Get Animated or on its own if you just want the video game content. I love, can I just say? Yeah. I love business up top. This was all good stuff. It was a natural fit for this, it. This was great. We it right we're in doing there. Really, we're doing really, really yeah, good. Yeah, sure. And if somebody was making a documentary about us, people would say they did a really, really good <laughs> job doing the episode of this podcast. <laughs> Should we, here's a, here's a, a question for everybody, because we are recording this particular episode right before the release of Rebirth, so we haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, but I think we are all planning on playing it. Should we slot in another We Play, You Play for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth for the end of March? Does that sound like a thing we want to do? 
or do we not want to commit to that fully? I Look, I'm going to be playing it. And my job ends in like, I think literally two weeks from today. So there has never been a better time for me to play Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. But I have all of April off. So mm. it could be also the end of April. And that would give people time to play it without cramming in all 500 hours of content into a single few weeks. Is it 500 hours? That can't be right. I think it will be if you it, walk everywhere, which is what I'm going to wow. do. I'm going to walk oh, everywhere as cloud, just very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we, we'll, we'll, we'll table it. We'll come back to it and we'll decide what we're, when we're going to do the timing of that. But I think we are going to do a, an episode about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth at some point TBD. And we'll certainly be talking about it, touching on it uh, as we get some time with it. But unfortunately, the Monday after the, the game's release, we don't have any thoughts for it because we're recording just in advance. I played the demo a little bit. Yeah. What'd you think of the demo? It's good. The demo section, they released two sections. They released the the Nibelheim section where it's the flashback sequence in the original game. And if you play the demo version of it before yeah. uh, Rebirth comes out, uh, your, pro- your, your progress sa- like transfers to that. So you don't have to replay that section again. Right. And it looked cool. It was awesome. Like having just played it recently, the original. It's interesting to see the game represented in this way now, because you do recognize the things that are, you know, obviously very similar, and then the things that are, are you know, maybe a little different are a little different. But uh, and then they released the the desert area. What was that called Juon or something? But your progress there doesn't track because they had to they blocked some stuff off to keep it for the demo only because they want they don't want to spoil anything in the demo. I guess you know I'm really looking forward to it. I'm very very excited. I have tomorrow off. Wow. Uh, and, and as of recording, it comes out tomorrow. So launch I got, day. Yeah. I got I 9 got some p.m. To tonight, do. PST, as of record. I'm picking up a physical so you, copy from yeah, a local you could start playing. retailer. But that's all I have to say about it for now. Wow. I want to talk about the, um, as of this week, controversial decision to change the ending of Remake when it was updated. They changed it from what I played. Yes. Interesting. They changed they change it from it what I played, too. Wow. They must have changed it from what I played because I finished it before this update. Yeah. So this update came out this week and they changed Aerith's, 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 Aerith's final line, mm-hmm. uh, which has a lot of the um, community up in arms because their original line was, I miss it. The steel sky. I miss it. The steel sky about uh, looking up and seeing Midgar above you. And now mm. she says, this sky, I don't like it. Interesting. Mm. Is Do we know, was just the, the translation changed or was the original Japanese dialogue altered? It, it's the, the translation. Got the it. The dialogue was not changed. And some people have said, well, it's more accurate. But other people are like, but it loses the flavor. Yeah, it's a little less artful. Yeah, it's like it's that that's the whole thing with localization. It's like, how do you? Yeah. So, so yeah, sometimes the most direct thing doesn't actually reflect. They should have changed it to the ideas. This guy, this guy fucking sucks. <laughs> Bad sky. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Shoot a gun at the sky. <laughs> I don't have any feelings about it when I when I hear that about that change. But people, I guess people are so obsessed with the 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 minutia of a thing like mm-hmm. it, it um it's the difference between the classic translation in end of evangelion of i'm the lowest of the low 
versus the original manga release, uh, manga being the the distribution company, mm-hmm. uh, where they changed it to "I'm so fucked up," which people were upset about because Shinji shouldn't be saying fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so fucked up. Uh, But yeah, I don't have any feelings about that. I also don't have any feelings about the mimetic quality of Tifa's swimsuit that has been going viral on X.com. She got big old boobies and it's in a, and they're in a bikini. Uh, I haven't seen this. Um, yeah, let me. Matt and I are going to take a look on this real quick, just like just so like I can know, know whether or not to podcast. be mad. It was posted by the Italian government. I'm sure it's you guys. It's made the news. <laughs> <laughs> this is our new president. <laughs> Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Let's talk about some video games we've been playing. What are you playing? What are you playing? Nick, why don't you go first? I'm happy to go first, although I do want to check in because I'm going to talk about Baldur's Gate 3 a little bit, um, even though we talked about it. <laughs> uh, but I want to check in with uh, with our producer, Rochelle, because, Rochelle, you weren't here for our for our record. You did edit that behemoth of an episode. Uh, has, has it gotten you, has it provoked you to return to your BG3 playthrough? It has. I wow. have been playing for the last two evenings. Wow. wow. Where are you at right now in the game? You're in Act Three, right? I just met Laroakin. Okay. Or I okay. actually just killed oh, okay. Laroakin. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> um, with <laughs> the, the Eight of the Night song. So there you go. I just did that. Wow. I, I don't know. Did any of you have to do that one? I did, yes. And I, I it's it's actually like I, I think the I'm that's what that's it's one of those things where even if you do like the like good option, quote unquote good option, it still makes you feel like a little weird, right? Like it's kind of it's pretty grisly. Yeah. Um and then what I liked about that uh, Laroican section is that there's like the the arcane vault that you get into. Oh, yeah. That's part of it too. Yes. Did you find the genie? I didn't. No, I didn't find a genie. There's a. This is. The, I did not find this on my first playthrough. It's like talked about in like one of the texts someplace that there is a there is a hidden wall behind a chest. It looks like it's a, there's just a chest there, but you can just like what you can just phase through the wall. You can just walk through it, and then that leads you to a lamp. And if you talk to the lamp, you can get sucked inside of it. And there's what? a there's a there's a genie you can talk to. But what's crazy about it is just like, yeah, first off, it, it's like completely buried and it's got all this dialogue and it's so it's so just totally a secret. 
but also there's a remix of the the main theme like as like a waltz that I think only plays within the genie's land. Wow. So it's like that in of itself is like its own secret. Yeah, it's it, it's, it's just so layered. I love a genie. I love it too. They're it's a lot like of fun. And they're, they're fun. And they're fun in the game. There's a couple of them. But the genie in this is actually the Will Smith genie and he does slap you. Yeah. <laughs> He deserves the though. shit out of you. Yeah. All right, but are you, are you having fun with it? Are you, are you back in the swing I of it? I am. I'm back in now. I'm back in. Are you going to see it through to the end? I have to. I love that. I have to. <laughs> I know it's probably wow. another hundred hours for me, but I yeah. have to. I think you're in the you're in the final stretch. I'm glad that uh, editing a three hour podcast didn't um, ruin the joy of the game for you. <laughs> Uh, so as far as what I've been playing, I'll be brief here because I've shared so many thoughts about this game, but I did like I was I spent like an hour just like looking at Game Pass and looking at my Steam library last week. I took I consciously took basically a week off from when I stopped playing Baldur's Gate for the like I finished that last playthrough and I just like I'm just going to walk away from this game for a little bit and do something else with my life. And then I was looking at like, you know, a Game Pass and looking at my Steam library for like an hour just browsing just having like you know decision fatigue and analysis paralysis whatever your uh, idiom you want to use trying to pick what to play and i was just like what am i doing i want to play more baldur's gate 3 <laughs> so I, I loaded up baldur's gate 3 and i started an honor mode dark urge playthrough uh and here's here's what i'll say i really like the dark urge i feel like it's like a, it's like a really interesting way to play for people who aren't familiar with it what it basically is and it's another thing that just like everything in this game is like they did not have to do this right uh but they added a bit another origin character uh who it's uh you can customize their their look however you like uh but the idea is that this character basically has an inner monologue that is compelling them to do psychopathic acts and throughout it, you have you can choose whether to <laughs> go to go along with it or to uh, you know um, uh, find yourself like uh, uh, denying it. Did th those are both options. But it is stuff that's like really harshly violent and like pretty much immediately insane. Like within that first like prologue area, you're getting dark urge, uh, you know, specific content. Like there's a part where you go to there's there's a few passengers that are like hooked up to the mind flayer pods and they're just basically comatose. And while you're uh, uh, while you're next to them, if you examine one of them, you get a line about like uh, you see yourself lying on an operating table, innards spilled everywhere. Like you don't remember your name, but like you just know that you can uh, like it's so like yeah. it's so it, it's such a, a specific like amnesiac with a haunted past sort of playthrough uh, that also like leads you to do really really violent acts some of them involving party members who you've maybe gotten to know over the course of a playthrough so all that said the character i made uh was a halfling abjuration wizard named meryl buttonwillow a little cutie and i wanted to play you know one of the uh the shorter races to see what the game was like yeah the thing is as i'm playing this it it is rubbing against the dark urge content, just like the visual that I picked for my character. And then also just like the halfling specific dialogue, which is also presented to you, can you, can you know, cause there's still, there's yeah. dark urge specific stuff, but there's still like race specific stuff, class specific stuff. Um, so, you know, like, uh, like the dark urge is telling me to like rip off the wings of a wounded bird. Uh, and then the halfling side of me is saying like, 
uh, well, gee, can't we sit down with a pot of tea and talk this out? You know, it's like both of these things are happening. And as I'm going through, I was like, this just feels like a like a tough thing to role play. I just like I can't I don't feel like these elements are quite coexisting. So I played through it. I did like the honor mode part a lot. I love that you're you're committed to one save. I love that you can fail a role and feel like, fuck, well, that, I'm stuck with that. Yeah. And I love the uh, the tension of combat. Like, it's just like like. I had to flee combat for the first time just to survive. Wow. Because I was I was like, I, I not that I had that. I was like, I'm going to have a total party wipe and this will be the end of my playthrough unless I just literally run away. I, I love that feeling of tension. But I think just the specific character I picked, um, I decided to re-roll. So, you know, I played that for under 10 hours and then I'm just I'm just starting anew with another character. But a, a darker genre mode playthrough is next on the list um, uh, with another with another fresh start. Uh, so yeah, kind of a false start there, but still loved what I experienced. Um, that's what I've been playing. Uh, Heather and Matt, what about you? So I haven't gone back to Baldur's Gate now that the mandate is up. Uh, <laughs> it, it, what? It's just funny to you call uh, it a mandate. And I do, well, I, having listened to the episode, uh, I, you did say, I'm going to continue playing this even when we're finished. <laughs> yeah. But it's been a it's been a short it's been a short week. It's been a week. And uh I and I, I've started uh the final stage of my uh of treatment. So I've been really busy for the last uh week. Mm-hmm. Uh but I'm now in radiation treatment, which is a the you know, the final zone before I am cleared for takeoff again. Uh and oh, yeah. so yeah, I haven't I've 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 uh played some Fortnite. Um the season is coming to an end. That's all I've been able to play uh, for the last week. And I don't want to belabor my um, my experience with Fortnite this week because, you know, there's got to be other things to talk about. So I'm super excited about playing Final Fantasy VII, but also f- fearful for what I will be talking about during the what are we playing segments for the month should we decide to do Final Fantasy VII as our We Play, You Play. Um, that's all I've been playing. How about you, Matt? Well, I had a I had a busy weekend. I in in a busy video gaming weekend. Not that I had a lot of things to do. I had nothing to do. I had a very uh, light weekend, so I stayed indoors all weekend. <laughs> made a dent in my couch. There you uh, go. And I finished up Final Fantasy VII Remake. Loved it. Rolled credits on that. Immediately went straight into uh, the intermission DLC where you play as Yuffie. Finished that. Loved that. L- L- how long is that dlc i didn't play it it's like four or five hours okay. it's not very i should play through it's it. not really long and it fucking rocks yeah the yuffie gameplay is so much fun really really great uh and then i i went like i said earlier i uh i did the um the the demo for rebirth and so now i'm i'm all caught up to the present final fantasy 7 wise i guess i haven't played dirge of cerberus and i guess i haven't played uh crisis core mm-hmm. but you know those are those are those will be for another day. That's uh, ancillary content. I yeah. don't think you need to worry about. No, that. No, no, no. Um, well, be careful. Some uh, somebody might say you absolutely need to, but I'm not a look. I'm just like a, you're not being a completionist. I'm just being you're a just, chill yeah. guy. About I, I this. think it's Matt. I think you. It's remarkable that you went back and played vanilla Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, uh, like the the original game all the way through in its entirety. I mean, that's 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 above and beyond. This is yeah. I mean, I would. By the been... way, I say vanilla there complimentary uh, because yeah. vanilla is a flavor it's an exotic bean. exotic bean yes thank you and <laughs> <laughs> uh 
No, I just I have to stop and say that I do also love vanilla. Vanilla's great. And it's so good. Great flavor. It's perfect. It's the default for a reason. It's, it's a flavor. It's, it's, it's so good. Um, but vanilla anyway. is delicious. It's so good. Um, Rochelle, vanilla? Love vanilla. Hell, let's fucking go. Four vanillas Hell in yeah. the chat. We love to see it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, I, yeah, I mean... I felt like, because I, I was interested in Rebirth, and I was, you know, initially init- interested in Remake, but fell off of it, but there were things in Remake that if I had not played the original vanilla Final Fantasy VII, I would have been very confused. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and been like, what is this? Um, but, so I, I'm really happy I caught up to the present. Earlier this week, there was a Pokemon Presents on Pokemon Day. Uh, and it was like the 25th anniversary of of Red and Green in Japan when this came when this little presents came out. It's a little 12 minute presentation. A lot of mobile game stuff. A lot of updates coming to Pokemon Sleep, Pokemon Go, Pokemon Cafe Mix, that type of stuff. One new game announced: Pokemon Legends Z A. I don't know what the official what they're going with, but that's what it is. And, you know, just a couple of weeks ago with Ashley Escada here, I said we were talking about sequels we want. Yes. I was clamoring for another edition in the uh, Pokemon Legends franchise. And just a, just a short few weeks later, it's announced and I'm getting it. Dreams can come true. They I'm on like Hideo Kojima shit, I guess. Yeah. Just sort of willing things into... A soothsayer, a half prophet. Yeah, I'm sort of a... Um, uh, I'm like Nostradamus with Pokemon games. Mm. Hmm. I'm glad that worked out for you. Yeah, really exciting about that, but it's not coming until 2025. So this year might be a, a year without a Pokemon release. Wow. A major Pokemon release. And that's remarkable. That's really something because that means the people working on this game are going to have time to work on it and like make sure it's good. I wonder if at all that's reactive to Pal World. Maybe. I wonder if there was any, like they saw the success of that game or like, okay, we need to scale this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's that, or they just—I mean, I can't imagine why they wouldn't have announced it at their at their presents. Because so far, people are saying there's not a major Nintendo release around the holidays, unless there's like a surprise thing later. Right. But who know, who knows? But I'm very very excited about that. So excited! It's a sequel, or you know, it has to do with the area, one of the areas from Pokemon X from the 3DS. And so I dusted off my 2DS, booted up Pokemon X last night, and started a new game on that, and. I'm already having a, a blast. You can have a nickname. You can have your friends give you a nickname. And there's like Little Matt, Big Matt, or something. Or you could pick something. Yeah. So, of course, I went with M Daddy. <laughs> so now every time I see one of my friends in the game, they call me M Daddy. And it makes me laugh every... It's so funny. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> and then I sort of was like, ah, oh, I wish I didn't save. Because I was like, I wish I could see what I could get away with. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I bet you it's like you can't put like a swear or something. But that's, that's, that's it for me. I, so I'm playing in the interim in, until tomorrow, probably. I mean, that's such a, it's such, it's such a li- classic little kid move. Yeah. It's like making your initials in the arcade high score or uh, be poo yeah, or, or ass. ass. Yeah. yeah. It's like just having a funny name for your character. It's like, it's, it, it, it just really puts a smile on my face. Yeah. I really loved <laughs> To see the characters in the world of this game call me M Daddy. Uh, really, really fun. Uh, but yeah, that's it for me until truly tomorrow when uh, I get my hands on my physical copy of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Did you guys go digital or tangible for your Final Fantasy VII Rebirth orders? I've been doing all tangible for PS5. 
Yeah, like every same. every PS5 game I've bought on disc. I went. Uh, yeah, this this generation. I'm going. I'm going physical because sure. it's probably the our, the last gasp of that. I feel like PlayStation Six, uh, Xbox Series, whatever, whatever they're going to call the next generation, if there even is a next next hardware generation, which is its own thing. I feel like that's all. That's all going to be digital only. I don't think there's going to be a Blu-ray drive. You going physical? You downloading it tonight, Heather? I was going to do something controversial, which is play it digital, uh, because I have more than one PS Five. In the in the house now, because Mary wanted her own PS Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's my PS Five uh, in in one area, and then Mary's PS Five in a different area. And sometimes I like to play on Mary's PS Five. And if you have a digital game, it's available on all your accounts across the board. Whereas if you yes. have a tangible game, you have you have to cart it around with you. Uh, you also have to make sure that it's in the system if you're going to play on the portal can't you know stream right. without that, that sure. disc in the system but i also have been thinking about the resaleability and replayability of tangible goods so i'm wondering if i should get it digitally and then purchase it tangibly and then keep it in keep it sealed and just put it aside for a future day when either i can't play it digitally because the ps5 is you know i'm 80 years old and the systems allowing you to play digital games can't be authenticated yeah. right. or, or, you know, like if there's like a, a, a world post internet when the EMP comes and for some reason, my system still works. I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I've been, I think I've you're been allowed using, to do that. I've been musing on the possibility of purchasing digitally and tangibly, but I also can't justify that cost. So I don't know. I have I've a reverse tangibly. I've done like the bought it physically and then purchased digitally like on like I mean on like deeper discount. So that way, like if I'm playing, if I want to play it again, I don't have to dig out the disc. I could just load up Jedi, the first Jedi one, not Jedi Survivor, the other one. And Fallen Kingdom. Fall, yeah. Jedi Fallen Order. Yes, 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 yes. Because I've got it. For, I got it on digital for like nine dollars or something. I was like, oh, that's just like a that's a no brainer to me. When it's on deep discount, is Fallen Fallen Kingdom the Jurassic Park subtitle? Is that what Fallen Kingdom that is was? It, yes, yeah, yeah. Man, Fallen is a really World, it's I think. really it's a really good uh, prefix for like Fallen Empire, Fallen Kingdom, Fallen Jedi. It fallen is a good all word. The time. Yeah, it's People good. It's a great it. word. I pre-ordered. This would have been like in 2011, 2012, whenever that game came out. I pre-ordered the Diablo Three Collector's Edition. Uh, which is a big boy. It's a big. It's a big war chest. Actually, when I when I was ever on on video, uh, the times when I've streamed from my home office, it's it's a part of my tableau in the background. Oh, uh, it's a big honking war chest that I never opened. Oh, and I did that like I wasn't planning on reselling it. I was just like I'm going. I'm gonna. Uh, I don't mind buying a Diablo game twice because this is a game I'm going to put a ton of hours into, and then I could just have the what you were saying, Heather. I could just have the, this nice like display piece. Um, and I'm planning on doing the same thing with with the Baldur's Gate three collector's edition. Like I ordered that and I, I don't think I'm re- I'm actually going to play the version of the game that comes with because I already own it digitally. Right. Um, but uh, but I might open it up just to mess around with that stuff. There's some like stickers, a lot, a lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah. It's like an art book and uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, but but I did Cloth look map. up on eBay how much an, uh, a a brand new rare Diablo three collector's edition uh, PC Windows version is. 
um, uh, is going for. Anyone want to guess? One thousand. This, this I think retailed for for eighty dollars. I think that's what I paid for it back in in two thousand twelve. Nick's not like jumping for joy that he's sitting on a gold mine. So, but for the exercise, I think he knows better than to do that. I'm gonna guess it retails for like a hundred and thirty dollars, maybe on the lower end. But Heather, got a guess? One thousand three hundred dollars. Matt, you both lose by prices right rules, but Matt is is closer. One hundred nineteen ninety nine. Wow. So you know, wow. not much appreciation for sitting on something for a decade if you're thinking of it purely as an investment. I wonder if that's because people didn't love Diablo three like at launch. I think so. I yeah. think also it's just like you know, it's it, it, once we reached a certain point where people began. Like and like all the stuff that's really actually valuable in games are things that predated the idea of collecting games, right? right? Like it's like yes. shit from like the the NES, Famicom, Sega Master System era and before. Yeah, you know? everybody who got one of those, or everybody who wanted one of those, got one. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So they're like, okay, well, like nobody missed out on the chest. Yeah, like it's like I I need that in my collection. Like if you wanted it so bad, you probably did get it. Yeah, but if your dad owned, you know, a uh a a, a uh, an electronic store and yeah. for some reason you inherited a still sealed copy of uh super mario brothers three you know that's an extremely rare possession these yes. days and so that's the kind of thing that goes for six figures or whatever wherever the fuck yeah there was a um uh uh the sale of the legend of zelda sealed this week for the nes for two hundred and eighty eight thousand dollars, and that's uh that's a lot of money and thanks to all of our patrons for letting me make that purchase. I really <laughs> appreciate your support. Um, I guess that Nick has some secret get played Patreon that we don't know about. <laughs> well, I got a secret Patreon. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. All right, let's talk about this documentary, Hideo Kojima, Connecting Worlds. It is on Hulu. It is directed and filmed by Glenn Milner. You can also watch it on Disney+. Plus. This is an hour-long film that just came out, I mean, the, in the past couple of weeks, yeah, right? It's yeah, very it came new. Out, it's pretty yeah. new. I think on the 23rd. Yeah. 
Uh, and I, it was not really on my radar, but something with Kojima in it. I'm, 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 I'm going to give it a look. I, I will say going in, I had talked with our buddy Chef Kevin. Yes. Uh, and Chef Kevin had seen it, and he had an observation. And I apologize to, to, to Kevin, who listens to the show. Uh, uh, hey, buddy, how you doing out there? I, I hope I characterize what, you, what your thoughts were correctly. But but I think I think he's, like, he's all like, Duh, I saw the, the, oh, oh, my hand's stuck in the pickle jar. Classic <laughs> Chef Kevin. Um, so let go of the pickle, you fucking maniac. <laughs> oh, but then how am I going to put it in my mouth? <laughs> oh, Chef sometimes, Kevin. Sometimes I think it's worse to be a friend of you guys. Because I feel like you wouldn't talk like this about your enemies. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't spare you don't want to know a what moment I say about my enemies. of just like dragging them through the mud for no reason. You probably they wouldn't say it. anything. Love you, Kevin. Uh, he, but I, but he he kind of it was like it's kind of it, it it being an hour is kind of an odd length, right? Like it, yeah. it's not quite a. Like, it, it feels more like episode one of a documentary miniseries that doesn't come about. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was meant to be the pilot of, of they yeah. were going to do like a, this into a three or six part or something like this. Or it feels like a short movie. Uh, but it's also like the information in it isn't almost oh, kind of isn't enough to justify its hour length. It's kind of like I feel like you could compress this down to a 20 minute YouTube video. Yeah. It's like you either want. And this was a thing he did say. You want like the psych odyssey version of this. Mm -hmm. Like basically we were watching this and like what well, you're spoiled by psych odyssey because you want just death stranding psych odyssey. And this is this is not nearly as comprehensive. Yeah. And then you also sort of like you want like when it when a documentary is about a living figure. Right. And they, they maybe have some hand in it. I want them to be like, like almost like not like, like I want them to have no hand in it really at all. Like uh, the Tony Hawk documentary that came out on HBO like last year or something. Yeah. Like he's Tony Hawk. He could have been like, hey, make me seem like a really good, like normal guy in this. And that documentary is about like how intense and like how much of a workaholic he is to his detriment. Like uh, at the cost of like relationships in his life with like right, his kids right. and stuff. But that's a more interesting yeah. documentary. And yeah, we're kind of in this era of, documentaries because they need the subject's approval and you know there's so much more i i feel like just like you know a, a publicists and agents and and executives involved in these sorts of things and because they do so well on streaming that now to involve like to get like to get lionel richie to sign off on the netflix documentary about we are the world it kind of needs to be lionel richie hagiography it needs yes. to be this thing where we're just going to make this guy look good um, and, uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, that is a, that is a bummer about it. You want it to, to interrogate the subject a little bit more. Cause at least that's what, that's, that's, that's where like the meat is. That's where the juice is at. Like I want the juice. I watched this movie with, um, my wife who has like a, a sort of satellite interest in Kojima because of me, because of me being in her life. And then, uh, our mutual friend who is, doesn't play video games at all. I think that the length was targeting People who don't, it's weird because why would you watch a Kojima documentary if you didn't know who Kojima was? But also it was such a cursory review of like Kojima's life and his like, you know, his execution on ideas that for us, the people who know his work, there wasn't any revelation in this, in this documentary no. at all. So it was targeted to, cause my the friend who doesn't play the non-gaming friend shelby shelby was like 
whoa, I w this is insane. I want to play video games. This is incredible, right? And I got to look this guy up. So that that was, seemed to be the target for this. And, and as such, the length is perfect too, because you don't want to exhaust somebody with a bunch right. of minutia that they don't, they don't have any interest in. It felt like, I don't know, like on VH1, when you see like, who were the Beatles? Like that's, that's like a right. documentary yes, yeah. that's not for somebody who loves the band, but the Beatles is so big that like everybody kind of knows them. And it felt like this Kojima documentary was made under the assumption that everybody knew who Kojima was. And it was sort of a light, a light novel approach to a documentary about him. It was mm. a very weird window. That's what it was. I think also, and and to what you were just talking about in terms of the purpose of this, I do think you're you're right about that. Like, it felt like an ad the more I was watching it. And this is something that PlayStation Studios produced this, right? Yeah. Like, it felt like it was just sort of like a, this is, this is essentially branded content to kind of talk up Kojima Productions and our collaborations with them and, you know, get you hyped about the Death Stranding franchise and see all these celebrities are involved in it. And, hey, there's, you know, that's Death Stranding. The, 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 keep an eye out for this guy's work. Death Stranding 2 is on the way. We're, we're making a Death Stranding movie. Like it, like a lot of it does kind of feel like it's just a, it, 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 it's just a, 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 like a documentary, but it's, it's a, it's a cloaking device for product placement. Um, right. And, and also I, I think that that ties in with how they treat Kojima, which is just, I, I do think auteur theory is a little bit annoying and overplayed. Like it's like, that's a thing that kind of like, like these things are all collaborative in film and television and, and uh, you know, and video games, especially with the size of, of teams these days, like there is not like one unitary authorial voice. But if we are going to apply a tour theory to any game maker, Kojima qualifies. Yes. He's the fucking weirdest, uh, uh, you know, most specific guy. And he ha has achieved all this huge mainstream success while also remaining completely himself. Uh, so but this one, it, it's it's so just like complimentary toward him and and flatters him repeatedly and and almost to it, it it feels like almost cartoonish in terms of how much they're talking up his genius and don't say an, a negative thing about him really at any point in the film not even like he were like you were saying Matt. it's not yeah. even like he works long hours so he sometimes you know loses touch with friends something like that could still yeah. be framed as a positive but talking about you know just how this actually affects his life yeah because even like some of the guys that like had been with him for like a long time. They can't sit there and be like, every single day we've worked with them has been nice and good. Like you just kind of know that it hasn't. Like like right. there's like that's just any working relationship, especially like in making video games where crunch is present like in every in every scenario almost. Like there's not a, there's almost not a game made un, not under crunch. Uh, that that's a great thing to point out because yeah. yes, they, they they like basically just montage over or i think just time jump over crunch entirely yeah, yeah like they go from like you know like all right that's a wrap on all the motion capture and they cut to the game going gold yeah it's like wait wait a minute <laughs> so like a year's <laughs> worth of like intensive labor of people working like yeah. 12 to 14 hour days to try to ship this game we're just not like not going to acknowledge and it's also like like there's a part in it where he's like you know he talks about uh all his games open like with 
a Hideo Kojima game. He's like, what that means is that there's like no compromises and there's nothing uh, uh, like getting in the way of uh, my vision or whatever. But then you see him and he's like in this office and he's sort of like, it's like an open office and he kind of like works where everybody else is working too, which is sort of like a... Um, I don't know. I feel like I've seen bosses do that, and it's like I'm like you guys, and it's like no, you're not. Like <laughs> my car doesn't work, and you have like right. a nice, you know what I mean. So it's like I don't know how that's really working in his favor. But then he's also standing over guys and being like, that doesn't look, that doesn't look good. And it's like, yeah, I guess it's like I mean that's interesting to see how the process is made. But like I don't know that they didn't. It's about the development of this game. That's like this interesting weird thing, and it's also like it doesn't give any insight really into how games are made really at all i think no like, for sure it did and and i would have liked to have seen more of that but again you know maybe to tether's point this is kind of something that's targeted at a general audience not at not at enthusiast gamers yeah um can we can I talk about this just as a documentary a little bit because mm-hmm. i overall like a- after i finished this i think i was kind i kind of just landed on like that sucked yeah. i think it's just a bad movie yeah and at, at part of that is way too reliant on talking heads particularly celebrities that are, don't have any real connection to kojima yeah uh and then the other part and again it's because the sort of thing of just like hey this is for a random person browsing hulu like who maybe doesn't know who this is uh or disney plus but also as as a piece of documentary filmmaking like there's all this like over overplayed B-roll of like police riots or telephone operators or the the sped up uh, Kiana Scotsy style highway footage, which is like, like, what is this doing in this movie? This is just like this feels like AI generated, uh, you know, like like documentary footage. And then the, the same sort of thing, like even there are even moments when he feel when a Kojima is like kind of like offering some personal insight, but it's undercut by the visuals. Like I hated the anime of his childhood. Yes. Like I was like, this is like he, he's talking. I want to see him talk about this or I want to see actual pictures of him and his family, you know, or I yeah. want to see his childhood home. I don't need to see this like kind of dreamlike anime interpretation of what he's saying. And the same sort of thing when he's talking about how like all his games are anti-war and he doesn't love combat. He loves ways to make players avoid combat or force players to deal with the consequences of combat. And so much of that comes from growing up with the uh, the, the son of two people who survived World War II and were always telling these stories. It's like he's doing that, but while it's happening, they're like showing like, you know, B-roll of bombers flying overhead yeah. that you see in just like any History Channel documentary. It's like, what is this doing here? Yeah, yeah. And like, there is like interesting, like there's like little nuggets of stuff that like on its own are interesting, but deserved more airtime. Mm-hmm. Like one of the developers was like, he makes games, he wants his games to like be about something and about like, not just like, he doesn't want to make a game just to make a video game. He wants to like to make a statement. And I'm like, that's in, that is interesting, but like, you can't just say that and then be like, now we're on to the next thing. Like, I want to know what he was thinking about when they were making police knots. Like, what's like, what was on his mind at the time? Like, uh, and you know, what was going along, going around, like, or you know, what was going on, like, culturally in that moment when he, like, that specific moment when he was like, I have to make this game about <laughs> police astronauts. Well, they don't. Okay, so yeah. this is another thing. This, this, documentary is basically exclusively focused on death strand mm-hmm. and i think that also just comes from it being a collaboration with kojima productions yes. and playstation studios because it is wild to spend an hour talking about hideo kojima and not mention konami 
Like that yeah. is like they talk about Metal Gear Solid and they do mention police knots in the context of Yoji Shinkawa as longtime art director, who we do hear from the, from the documentary and honestly some of the most interesting stuff. Yes. The few times we get to hear um, from Yoji Shinkawa uh, and then we cut to Grimes. Um, but <laughs> it, it's like it's really like I, I wish we had. Uh, uh, more of that shit but this is almost exclusively focused on his post konami career and like what heather was saying earlier about like this is like a document like meet the beatles the documentary but it kind of is like a documentary about paul mccartney that doesn't mention the beatles you know what i mean it's like all <laughs> like paul mccartney the genius behind wings yeah. and you know it uh, and and the orchestral uh piece standing stone you know it's just talking about all his stuff and he was on the simpsons too you know it's like well yeah but like the main thing the thing that defined his career the reason he is who he is needs to be like emphasized yeah. paul does that in interviews too sometimes he like undercuts like being in the beatles right he, right right like he's sort of like we were just full lads from liverpool and it's like no you kind of weren't actually you kind of the four biggest geniuses on earth like but... well that's why i think you can't you can't just can't offer a subject too much control over their yeah. own documentary but you know whatever that's what that's what this medium has turned into um it should have just been on the director's cut like disc as like a featurette i agree what i would have liked it more in, yeah. on, in that context I, I agree with you. Here's here's my um what if we're wrong take, mm -hmm. which is there are few documentaries that I can imagine being more emblematic and thematically relevant to Kojima's use of celebrity than this documentary. So like mm. when Guillermo del Toro or Nick Ruffin show up in Death Stranding, it's like almost like a parade, you know, like, look, right. this guy's in it. Conan O'Brien, he's in a, he's in a bunker. Uh, and this felt like what it felt like a bunch of people coming out of the woodwork to be like, we love Kojima. We think he's a genius and they're not being much more to their presence in the documentary, which feels kind of like how they are utilized within the game itself. So I, I don't know. I, I didn't have the same disdain for it that you guys did. And it might have been because of my viewing experience with two people who didn't know Kojima as much and found it riveting and cool. And they loved that his childhood was made like an anime because that's kind of what documentaries do now is that tropey yeah. sort of like I was uh I was on the streets of New York City and then you cut like it's never like B-roll. It's never like somebody acting that. It's always some, you know, watercolor rotoscoped fucking like CG version of redoing somebody's story. Uh, and I think that's because that's palatable to a lot of people. So I didn't hate this. I didn't think it sucked, but I also didn't feel like it was made for me. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely agree. I don't think it was made for us. Uh, by, by the way, in terms of the the avalanche of celebrities, I mean, I do like hearing from George Miller, Guillermo del Toro, you know, like that's interesting. People who are in a similar role as Kojima, but work in film and talking from their perspective. And Norman Reedus telling the story of Co of Guillermo del Toro saying about Kojima, hey, this guy's going to call you and whatever he asks you, just say yes. And Norman Reedus would be like, oh, OK. And that's how he got involved with Death Stranding. Like, that's really interesting. In so this, there, there are nuggets in this. There's like. That whole thing I absolutely loved. Mm -hmm. And my main takeaway was if Guillermo del Toro said anything nice about me, I would feel like a million bucks. Because <laughs> you like the way he was talking about him, I was like, he feels this with his whole chest. Yeah. He like yeah. of the people talking about it, I was like, he gets he gets Kojima in a way 
that Kojima wants to be understood. Right. And that rocks. Like that, like really, really, like, I don't know. I love that. I could have seen more of that. Um I love George Miller and his like cool glasses. <laughs> yeah, he looks cool as hell. <laughs> he has these like sort of red tinted glasses and like a chain like hanging them like around his like ears or whatever. And I was like, he's this guy's awesome. Like, it makes you realize to be one of those guys, you have to have a look like yeah. that has part of just like your your you know your curated yeah. uh uh the image or whatever is like I look like this guy. And these are guys that he wants respect from right and they and they respect him immensely and so that's yeah. that's really interesting he talks about how he his own comparison for himself is like like cronenberg or lynch someone who can make something that's edgy and specific and their own but also has mainstream appeal that's what he's trying yeah. to go for and succeeds at i like when guillermo de toro is like death stranding is the first game where i got to the end of it and i felt like a better person like <laughs> yeah. he's like that's yeah. oh that's a, that is a good observation i like that <laughs> I thought it was wild when Kojima was like, you know, somebody like Cronenberg, who is an indie director, but also has mainstream success. And I was like, Cronenberg? Like, what <laughs> I guess it? like the Jeff Goldblum, the fly, you know, was a big hit. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. He, he's had some hits. Nothing, I can't think of nothing. a worse. Uh, uh, the, the biggest nightmare uh, blunt rotation I could think of would be Kojima <laughs> and David Lynch. That'd be a fucking disaster. <laughs> I need them to work on something together immediately and then to never see it. That's going to be a, a nightmare. But he's working with, I know he's working with uh, Jordan Peele on, on something. I do think he's befriending these directors with the intention of learning how to direct himself. Like, I think he's like, you know, because he's obviously like there is, it's um, a transferable skill. Like, I do think, I think of him as a director when he's like making these games because he's like in there like with the, the motion capture uh, actors and things like that and like in directing them in scenes. So, but I think he's trying to like hone that muscle by working with these directors that are excellent and, and you know, that, are, that, that he really respects so that he can take what they do and his observations from them and apply it to further game making, which I think is good because a lot of his games are cutscene heavy, let's say. Yeah, for sure. So you want those directed, you want those directed well. Uh, I yeah I I don't know I I guess like I'll I'll I'd, I'll concede what to what Heather's saying just in terms of like this is just not for me um I I just kind of like I just found it to be a frustrating watch that I don't I feel like if you already know anything about this guy yeah. already a fan this this maybe isn't worth your time to commit to to watching the whole thing uh maybe you know I there there are a few clip few interview clips that uh, are are worth seeing but but hope the wait for someone to curate those in a YouTube video or a, 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 like as, as a Twitter post or something like that. Um, Cause I, I think watching as a whole, it's just like, it, it's a little bit formless. Yeah. Uh, I also, there's like things that you want them to interrogate more. Cause like when he talks about, he's like, when he talks about his, I wouldn't be making games if my dad was still alive. Uh, my father was a very scary man. Yeah. It's just like, and then they don't explore that. They just kind of move on from it. Yeah. It's just like, there's that. That's an intense thing to say. And especially for yeah. a guy who made an entire game about being a single parent. Yeah. You know, it's just like, what, like, what is going on in that noggin of yours? There's that. And then in the very beginning, someone's describing him as, um, as always fighting like every day when he's working, he's always fighting. Yeah. And, uh, then they're like, then they have this observation that they're like, and we don't know, like, why, who knows what? Maybe he's fighting against himself. And then it's like a shot of Kojima. And I was like, okay, we're going to, like, get into this guy's fucking brain. We're going to, yeah. like, really figure some stuff out about this guy. And then it just sort of, like, gr cuts to, like, 
you know, Grimes, and she's just like, yeah, he's a genius. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like, okay, yeah, we we know this. Yeah, we figured we I figured c- out Kojima. He's great. <laughs> he's good, yeah. and we like him. It's like he's the president of a nation where he must be worshipped. It, yeah, it feels like propaganda. <laughs> it- I, uh, as a side note, every time Grimes was on camera, I kept being like, that woman has had sex with Elon Musk. Yeah, that's like a bummer to know. <laughs> and it really bummed me out. Like, it gave me, yeah. like, a sadness. Uh, not to judge anybody's, you know, interest in other people, but he is so transparently a bad person, like yeah. so aggressively a bad person that, uh, it was, yeah, it was a real, it was a real bummer thinking about, I mean, I couldn't not think about it. Yeah. Not in right. like a rent free way, but just in a like, uh, uh, well, whatever. For me, it's rent free. It's just there. Yeah. <laughs> and I just can't stop thinking about it. um then but there's the musicians uh gosh what was Oh it? churches. Yes. And I do like hearing from churches because they're such a huge part of the soundtrack. They're a huge part of the soundtrack and um I, oh, I like, does, wait does now I'm wondering does Grimes have a song in the Death Stranding I think soundtrack she must. we forgot about so um, that must be it. Uh maybe she sang about all the goo everywhere. Speaking of grime <laughs> Uh, um thanks Rochelle. Um, <laughs> um I was happy to see I was happy to see churches in the documentary um only because I um I met them one time and they were all really really nice. That's it. Oh, that's cool that you met they're, them. They're, they're really nice. Yeah. Nice folks. Nice. Um I I can't see anyone I can't say anything about Death Stranding. Wait, is it did did she do a song? Grimes? No, she didn't yeah. do a song. That's why I was. I'm just looking for. I was just binging it, and it looks like all I can see is that, um, she met Kojima, so they're perhaps mutual fans that happened in 2018, and there's speculation that she'd be involved. Yeah, and then this game rant story that Grimes and Elon Musk are having a baby, and everyone's making Death Stranding jokes, which I don't remember, but yeah, I don't remember that either. And then you know his uh his 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 best friend on Earth, uh Jeff Kylie is in the is in the documentary and kind of just says the same things that always come up when Kojima comes up that he's, you know, like considered like the first auteur game developer and that, uh, like just that he's good. Like everybody was like, he's good at games. Yeah, I his, like the games he made. His presence in particular, cause he, he's a, he, he's basically a professional Kojima friend. It seems like yes. his, his presence in it kind of tells you that like what this is going to be about. Yeah. I really liked the um, set dressing for everybody's interviews that told you so much about what image they wanted to give across, like what they were trying to convey. So like there's a stack of books that you can't see the bindings on next to Kojima because, you know, you want to he wants to say I'm well read, but he also you can't because of like rights or whatever. You're not going to list every book on your thing. So every book is turned away. And they yeah. did the same thing with the um it's all interview with recoil the recoil manga. <laughs> <laughs> they did the same thing with the actors where they'd have like a few books on a nice table and they were turned away from the camera. Uh and then uh Nick Ruffin's table had a few loose Legos and like a, a like a sketch of like some some like diagram on a, on a whiteboard yeah. and it felt to me like somebody trying to be like I'm really creative. Like yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm that kind of creative. And I was like, I love, 
I love these little stories that everybody's trying to tell. Cause it's the same for me. Like when I, when I do like BTS stuff for Rick and Morty, I'll put like a char helmet in the background so that somebody who's watching it might be like, Oh, she likes Gundam, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's always, unless you're in like a, you know, a rental home or something and you, you can't, you have no control over it. I just, yeah. I love Maybe. the idea of like the crew coming to somebody's house and being like, what if we just dump these Legos out on your table? <laughs> right, right. What if they tracked, what if they trapped Nick, Nick Ruffin in there and uh, were like, you get three Legos and something to draw on until you say what we want you to say. And then he's like, okay, okay, I'm done with my squiggle, please. Uh, oh, I, can I, I, just, I'm, I, I know we're about wrapped up, but I, I just like had a couple other things that I, I did want to talk about, which is that I do think the all the stuff that we're seeing about Kojima, where we're seeing Kojima direct the actors during the motion caption sections and then also the VO, like that was like all cool stuff. And that was stuff that made me be, feel more like, again, we just can we focus this on Death Stranding specifically? Yes. Uh, or even more so than it is. This is because it's mostly like, here's an overview of Kojima's life and then the the one game that he made, Death Stranding. But it's like, if we're, I, like something that really got into the weeds of production a bit more because I love seeing like, you know, the actors being like, well, you don't really know what's happening in the scene, but you know, we're just going to go for it. They're right. all like kind of confused because they're kept in the dark about certain details and uh, they feel like Kojima is kind of drip feeding them all the information they could handle at a given moment because this stuff is so dense. But then also just they're they're talking with they're they're like he's talking in Japanese. It's being translated to French uh, and the actor is speaking in English. You know, it's like all these sorts of things. Yes. It's like, man, this is such an interesting workflow. Um, and the the woman who's directing the VO sec sessions, the English VO sessions, like I'd love to know how she communicates with Kojima and how all that shit works. Yeah. Uh, but we just don't get any any detail and, on that. And then even like the stuff with like there's a scene where um, Norman Reedus and Troy Baker are at a table and things are being explained to them about <laughs> about Death Stranding. And Norman is like obviously like not really like a video game guy and like yeah. just doesn't really know was not familiar with kojima before does not really understand it but troy is like really taking it in and like because he's worked in video games and obviously has uh um you know uh a familiar a familiarity with uh with kojima and so he's taking it in as like a this is what i do yeah so i think there's like an interesting thing there too where like they're both actors but they both work in different um like mediums and to have them come together in like a certain way is like kind of interesting and like uh like they have end up having to do the same thing that they normally do, but it's for a different reason. But like it was just interesting to see that like Troy had this like uh, understanding of it or like was trying to understand it more. And Norman was just like mouth agape, like huh? <laughs> yeah, there's this there's this combination of of kind of old hands at this sort of acting, and then people who are completely new to video games. Uh, by the way. Does Mad Mickelson? Does Mads Mickelson just casually toss out a huge Endgame spoiler? Did you catch that? Oh, I think so. I think he does. Yeah. <laughs> I think he reveals like essentially like the last scene of the game, yeah. which all three of us were shocked by. <laughs> <laughs> Having seen interviews with him though, and like just kind of like a fan of his, uh, I'll call it chaotic vibe. That is exactly the type of thing that he yeah. just like doesn't give a shit about. He kind of he rocks. He's so yeah. funny and weird. There's a an energy that Norman Reedus gives off in Death Stranding that now that I've seen this documentary makes me wonder if that was his energy in the project. There's a sort of like 
he's Sam is very reserved. And I know that that's part of the character is that Sam doesn't like being touched and everything. But like he's so reserved that he like the way he drinks a monster energy drink or like the way he goes over to look at the mirror feels like a person who has never gone over to a mirror before if that makes sense <laughs> yeah right no like yeah. he'd like the way he would like sit or adjust in the like in the little room that he had the little bedroom always felt strangely artificial to me uh and now i'm like oh was that because he's being directed and he doesn't understand the context of anything or is that like the character that they wanted him to play because it's there's so much artifice in his performance mm-hmm. Um, I, which I found extremely endearing when I was playing the game, but now I'm like, oh, is that, is that Sam or is that Norman? Or is that like the, the sort of blurring of that Venn diagram part of the project itself? Because like, obviously you have ads for his, you know, AMC show on the, on the shower. (laughs) So it's, it is reminding you that the actor is the character, but. Yeah, I don't know. Watching him watching him perform stuff and then be like, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Made yeah. me feel like like him being like, what what do you mean bridges? Was like maybe just literally him? <laughs> yeah, I it is that is interesting because he seems genuinely overwhelmed by the process and yeah, is saying so. things he thinks is are indecipherable. Uh and you know, that that seems Hey, if, if you want to attribute it to to Kojima, then like, you know, maybe that's part of his genius is that he's he knows that this is what he wants from an, from the character so that he knows if he, if he gives the actor uh, this limited amount of context for what they're doing, that's what will come across to the performance. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, whatever it is, it, it is, it is, that is an interesting observation. That is the thing you get from some of this BTS footage. But yeah, I, I I don't I don't regret watching it. I just kind of no. wish it was something else. Yeah, I I would love a more like investigative piece. But I know that he's also like, it's interesting for somebody that's like so. I'm the brand. Yeah, he is like a private guy. Like in like a like you don't really know much about like his family or like anything like that. Like that thing that nugget about my dad was a scary guy is like the most. I've ever heard or read or anything about his family. Yeah, I mean that—that's what what makes it's one of the reasons. Like he's he's both very forthright and also kind of inscrutable, and that's yeah. like kind of why you want to to dig in a little deeper on him. Uh, maybe we'll get that someday. I feel like this won't be the last Kojima documentary ever made. No, hopefully it's not made by like the news or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on this? I had problems with it. I don't know if I, I don't think I hated it, but it, you know, it wasn't exactly what I wanted, but if you out there listened or listening, uh, watched it and enjoyed it, uh, let us know what you liked about it. There you go. Uh, Hey, how about a segment? Oh, hell uh-oh. yeah, dog. Uh Oh, uh Oh, Oh no. Uh Oh needed. Cause this will be a lot of fun. Uh Oh, it's our video game version of would you rather it's, would you blathers and this is would you blathers kojima edition oh shit! so i'll give you a scenario you tell me which outcome you would prefer rochelle you're welcome to play along if you like uh first up would you blathers have the prefix for your name be solid liquid or punished 
<laughs> so solid mat, liquid mat, or punished mat? What do you think? Uh, well, um, I feel like punished mat sitting so close to you. Um, <laughs> um, uh, no, that's not true at all. I really, I quite uh, enjoy your company, Nick. God bless you. Right back at you, buddy. Um, I think I feel like this isn't this isn't canon to the game. Yeah, but liquid mat makes me sound like um like you can't depend on me in some mm. way solid oh. matt people are like mm, okay that's that's a solid guy yeah that's a good nickname solid matt what do you like better solid matt or m daddy hmm <laughs> i like you know what m daddy honestly yeah, um it has, it has a, <laughs> a nice little ring to it but for this exercise uh i think i'd go solid solid is good wow liquid for me oh wow um, you okay, but liquid Heather works for Heather that for does some sound reason. Cool, yeah, it is <laughs> yeah. fitting. Heather, Heather is too much of a like it's a liquidy name, so yeah. I think solid Heather just doesn't have the right bite. But liquid Heather feels like oh, I'm a I'm a Kojima character, yeah, like fragile Heather or something. Like it it works, yeah. So yeah, I'd go with liquid. I certainly wouldn't go with punished, even <laughs> though you know sometimes on the pod. <laughs> sometimes on the pod period <laughs> well punish snake is also venom snake but i didn't give you venom snake that's too that's that one's too, too cool um uh rochelle uh, uh what do you, do you get you get a thought on this one um my nickname is ranch so i feel like solid ranch is funny that is really good well, hold your, on, hold your on. nickname is ranch hold on <laughs> rochelle what the hell are you talking about <laughs> Your nickname is Ranch? You know my other podcast. How are you withholding this from me? <laughs> oh, yeah. Most of my friends call me Ranch. Most of, most most of. of your friends call you uh, Ranch. A, a big chunk. <laughs> Am I hearing How did this, this come correctly? About? Is she saying Ranch? Ranch. Yes, like like the Ranch dressing? dressing? Yeah. Okay, I'll ask Rochelle. Why do they call you that? <laughs> One of my roommates said one day that in his dream my name was Ranch and then everyone just started calling me Ranch. <laughs> Rochelle is interesting. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I loved every second of hearing that. That's amazing. Oh, uh, that rocks. Would you like us to call you Ranch? You guys can call me Ranch. Wow. Wow. Interchangeable. I love it. Okay. Ranch it is, at least for now, <laughs> at least for this episode. Thanks, Ranch. Um, as for me, punished Weiger is just too fitting. Uh, all right, next up. Would you blathers have a functional codec implanted in your inner ear, but it interrupts you constantly, or see and hear the exclamation point alert sound every time someone spots you in public? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this could work like a friend sees me. Yeah, and then you get you get, you get like Burr. oh, a friend sees me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll yeah. turn around and see where my friends at. Right, but it's but it's interrupting you in the physical space. Do I have an exclamation point above me? Yeah, if you mm. yeah you do, because then it's like if it's visual for them to like if if the person that spots me sees that. Well, that's no confirmation. No, they're not seeing it. This is for you. Okay, this is your reality. Um, I think I'm gonna go codec. Because I, I, both are interruptions. Yeah. Sometimes I don't want to be seen and, or, or know that I've been seen. You know what I mean? And um, I'd rather just like get like some interruption of somebody being like, have you ever seen this movie called Godzilla? Yeah, it's about this or whatever. And then it's like just somebody giving me an info dump about a movie they saw. And I'm like, all right, thanks. 
That's fine to me. I, I, that's like how I prefer to interact. Wow. I, Heather, codec or, or exclamation point? Exclamation point. Wow. But that's, I think it would be handy. Because yeah. then you could like, you could be like at a coffee shop and you see somebody that you know, but you kind of don't want to talk to them. Like you can know mm. for certain whether or not they know that you're there. Yes, right. No, that is helpful. So, so like for, for an introvert like myself, being able to like in a binary system have been seen or have not been seen to, to, to know when I can walk away from one of those moments, like coast is clear. Nobody's any the wiser, like just walk away would be extreme, extremely beneficial. But like the idea of being interrupted by a Kodak all the time sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah, I think of how how frequently I get like text messages, especially yeah. when a group thread is like really going. It's like, man, if that was happening, if I was going to if I was getting that in my ear constantly, I'd be going yeah. nuts. Hmm, I should change my text sound to that. Actually, That'd I did really do that for a while, and it was awesome. Yeah, that's, <laughs> honestly, I, I loved it. it. That's really good. If you but the exclamation point. What if it's your birthday and you go somewhere where everybody's at already? Yeah. And they all see you at one time. Is it going off like a million times? Yeah, it is. It's like when that whole room of soldiers spots you when you're, you know, trying oh, to. Oh, yeah, uh, that is fun. That is fun. Yeah, that's, <laughs> okay, that's, that's fun. A, You'd love that. I do like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, I'm being seen by this many yeah. people? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Rochelle, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, exclamation point. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, look, there's ranch. <laughs> <laughs> Solid ranch. <laughs> ranch, we need you to take down... We need you to construct a weapon to destroy Metal Gear. Metal Gear? <laughs> what was it called in the in, in part three? We need you to, to destroy the plants so the Shagohad will not be functional. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, next up. Would you blathers have a face covered with welts from hornet stings like the pain or... Have to always have exposed skin because that's how you breathe, like quiet. Uh, this is tough. So cold day, you got to have like a tank top on because you breathe through your skin or uh, you have like a face that's kind of just, you know, the hornets are your friends, but they've they've stung you a shitload. So I'm, I have dominion over the hornets. Yeah, you still have the powers of them. Okay. But we're focusing on the negatives here. Yeah, no, no, no. And, uh, you know, I just love showing my body <laughs> i love that that always feels good so it's i'm having such a hard time yeah i think you know i think i think i'm gonna go hornets because i think that's a more interesting power like i can breathe normally yeah I'm always afraid of not being able to breathe. I have asthma. That's a, the, the I have asthma too, and it's like the idea of like having to respirate through my skin. That's yeah. really panicky. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, I have all these welts, but nobody can see my rolls. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can wear like my I can wear like yeah, my right. normal yeah, clothes yeah, yeah, yeah. and like have have hornets. Yeah. And I'll train them to be nice to my friends. I'm not gonna have them stinging my friends. Right. I can still do all my normal stuff. And your friends will still like you with some, some welts on the face. Yeah. They might not like me if they see what I'm working with. <laughs> I think ugh, both of these are horrible. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Please. About the way Quiet breathed, which is she breathes through her skin. If she gets in water, she, she dies. 
Yes, I well, I forget exactly how it works. Mm. Um, Sonic rules, huh? Can't get in the water. <laughs> but I mean, I think it, it's functionally the same as like holding your head underwater. You know, you can't get oxygen into your yeah. lungs. You know, there's some like weird Kojima logic to if she can survive in water. It's like, yeah, but if she like, you know, burps when she's underwater or something, then it's fine. I think I'm gonna have to go with welts. <laughs> There's there's too much there's too many weaknesses to to having to breathe through your skin. Yeah, and 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 those weaknesses like are what. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm sort of weighing. Yes, right. How vulnerable it would make you to have to breathe through your skin. So right. yeah, that's my that's my feeling. I don't remember what liquid or what was her name. Quiet, quiet. quiet. I don't remember what she looks. Like. I haven't played five. Uh, apparently, I actually never played five either. I mean, it's one of those games I've always meant to play, and I just like it's such a, a fucking fifty-hour commitment. But then it's complaining about a fifty-hour game now after I played through Baldur's Gate three in its entirety <laughs> twice feels absolutely <laughs> trivial. Uh, uh, he, the, the, I found a Reddit thread that's talking about whether Quiet can breathe underwater, and it's basically it's it just the idea is like it's here. Here's the top reply: Think of her skin like a mouth; she can use it to breathe and to drink, but only one at a time. And so it effectively don't have gills that can um, filter the oxygen out of water. That, for some reason, was one of the most horrific things I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, Rochelle, uh, hornet sting face or uh, breathe through your skin? Well, how much skin needs to be covered? I think it's a, I, I mean, like, it's like a... So I'm wearing these shorts now, and they don't leave a lot to the imagination. I think I also need to take off my sweatshirt. So I think you have to like, I think it's like short sleeves yeah. you know, and shorts. To I give think you is an at a idea, minimum. Quiet wears like a bra <laughs> and underwear and like nylon. Quiet is very, very skimpy, but I don't know if you have to go that, that no. far in this hypothetical. Yeah. yeah, That's a choice. Yeah, I think I got to go well, so I'm just notoriously cold. Yeah. I I, I probably you know what I'll just just to mix it up I'll say breathe through my skin um but mm. I feel like that just makes me a completely different type of guy that one's like circled a lot on you <laughs> for some reason <laughs> are you like underlined it uh, all right next one would you blathers sword fight to the death your father who's the president or be forced to incinerate the corpse of your mother who's also the president. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, I feel like we were hard on the documentary. Yeah. Um, I do have to say, Kojima rocks. He does rock. <laughs> no, he's the fucking he's best. simultaneously <laughs> a big freak and also the funniest person yeah. alive. He's so funny. God. I don't want to, you know, oh, no, I was about to say something really dark. I'm not going to say that. Uh, I think I'm going to go with, yeah, I can't wrap my head around incinerating my actual mother. Like, yeah. I, I can't do it. I have to abstract this one a yeah. little bit. If I try to think about it as my actual parents, it starts to feel a little weird. Yeah. Um, and I also would not want her to be the president. Because um, <laughs> if I'm in trouble, then the president's mad at me. That sucks. Um, gosh, I, I think it's tough because both endings are so like, or, you know, both things in. In and Metal Gear Solid Two and Death Stranding are so like iconic, but the I gotta go. I think I'm gonna go with my dad, the president. 
that one. Just beat him to death. <laughs> I mean, you incinerate the corpse. Yes. Whereas the other one, you kill the person. Right. So yeah. I would, I would incinerate a corpse. Mm, yeah. Yeah, following that logic, I would fight my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Rochelle, what, what, what about you? I think I could definitely win against my dad. So <laughs> <do that. laughs> it was no contest against your mom, but you could beat your dad, so I'm going with my dad. Ranch is on one. Ranch is being crazy. A classic ranch. <laughs> All right, final, final one. Last one. Would you blathers find out your boss is an AI or have a rival break the fourth wall of your own life? Oh, my God. What does that mean? Breaks the fourth wall of my own life. You all of a sudden realize your reality is just a game that you have been playing the game of your whole your own life this oh, entire time. Man, I can answer that immediately. And it would be that. That would be a relief. <laughs> like, oh, good. None of this was even true. <laughs> oh, great. We know who's watching solo wow. leveling. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, that would just fuck with me too hard. Yeah. Um, I have to go with, what was the first option? Find out your boss is an AI like the colonel. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, I'll go with that one because, I mean, I work with you two, so it wouldn't shock me that, it wouldn't shock me that hard. <laughs> It wouldn't be that crazy to me if somebody else I knew was AI. <laughs> and you know what? One day, the way things are going, all of our bosses are going to be AI. Tell them, Matt. Uh, ranch, AI boss, <laughs> or uh, find out your life is, uh, is a game. So all three of you would be AI. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> crazy wouldn't it yeah we'll go with that <laughs> i think i also have to go with ai just because i think that's just i don't know to, to me that's funny just like like i i don't know who it, who my boss would be in this situation but just thinking of other jobs i've had you it's just like oh yeah it would be you so i find you're out your I'm, own boss so you i'm my find own out boss you're ai because yeah, i'm self-implied <laughs> if I'm, I'm ai you just broke the fourth wall of my own life <laughs> Uh, that was Would You Blathers. That's this week Get Played. Our producer is Ranch, Rochelle Chen, <laughs> Yard underscore underscore Sard on social media. Our music is by Ben Prunty, benpruntymusic.com. Our art is by Duck Brigade Design, duckbrigade.com. And hey, check out our paywalled show, Get Animated. Matt, what are we watching this week? We're watching Tekken, the motion picture, and we're actually watching it on the episode, doing a live commentary on it. That's right. So you can cue it up with us. We'll tell you when. Why? And watch it along with us <laughs> and have the time of your freaking little life. Why are we doing this? <laughs> I'm sure we'll be completely clear on what happens in the movie. Yeah, no one's going to be mad at us. <laughs> that's, again, you can get that with our entire pre-headgum back catalog and ad-free mainline episodes at patreon.com slash get played. Well, there you go. Another episode Nick. in the can. Yeah. Nick. Yeah. Nick, you got played. Well, that's me. I got played, I guess. <laughs> the delight in Heather's face on that really, really sold it. You didn't see it at home. But Heather was so happy to get played Nick. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>